Parsons, you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No Names All Game. Today is January 24th. My name is Chris Hankin, joined by my co-host Pat Calicchio. We are officially in the offseason, which is actually the start of our season. We started this podcast uh, back in 2018. We started for the NFL draft in April. That was season one. So this is now technically the start of season six of No Names All Game. Pat, we've been doing this for a long, long time. How you been, man? I've been good. I'm so unprofessional. I've got popcorn kernels stuck in my throat. That's how long I've been doing this. Okay, the there you go. Doesn't care anymore. He's, he's eating popcorn before the show. <laughs> I'm probably be digging kernels out of my teeth while we're recording. And and listen, we just started putting them on YouTube, so you are aware of this. This will be video. Uh, uh, for those that listen, um, welcome to season six. Those that have been with us since the very beginning, we thank you. Uh, newer listeners, welcome aboard. Hope you guys enjoy what we do. We like to have fun here. Um, if you like listening, it's always on Spotify, always on Apple. If you like watching, we're going to be on YouTube going forward, so check that out too. Uh, we got a good amount to talk about today. Uh, Offseason uh, has started. Uh, we've had some news, uh, so we're going to cover the wide receiver coach change. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield was let go, uh, and then a quick, pretty quick turnaround uh, hired a new coach, uh, Marcus Hagan. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the transfer portal has been very active. Uh, we've added some some nice additions. Uh, we've had to say goodbye to some familiar faces, some guys uh, that have played some ball, some guys that had some potential. So we'll run through that. Uh, the 2023 recruiting class is signed. We've got a bunch of early enrollees. We'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, and then Pat's going to give us some uh, some updates on Penn State wrestling, which Pat is our expert for. If you guys are into wrestling, Pat is your guy. Uh, and the basketball team is doing some good things too. So we'll, we'll check in on that a little bit as well. But let's start uh, with the wide receiver coaching change. Like I mentioned, uh, Taylor Stubblefield let go. Um, Marcus Hagan's hired. Let's start with Stubblefield. Uh, did you expect this? Did you see this coming? We we didn't really talk a lot. You know, we don't we don't like to I don't like to talk about another man's job. We don't like to predict who's going to be fired or let go. Um, did you see this one coming? Uh, no. Um, well, I, I guess yes and no. I didn't think he'd be fired only three years in. He hasn't done I, I don't think a bad job by any means. Um, you know, Jahan Dotson, you could say, was mostly developed under Taylor Stubblefield. Did a good job. Parker Washington was a guy who I think. You know, with high ability wide receiver who, through not really much fault of his own, didn't put up monster stats until the very tail end of like right before his injury. Um, but you know, he did have some like some losses on the recruiting trail, and there there was kind of like a feeling if you were looking around the room, and you're like, who is the who's the one falling behind? It felt like yeah. it was the wide receiver group. It felt like it was probably. Coach Stubbs, but I mean, it, it was, if it was going to happen to anyone, that's who I would have guessed, but I yeah. did not think it was happening. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was definitely a little shocked when I saw it, um, looked up, looked up some of the the stats and numbers, like you mentioned, you know, dots, he, Stubblefield was hired 2020. So he was here for three seasons. Um, 2020 is leading receivers Dotson, 52 catches, 884 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, 2021 Dotson breaks out 91 catches, almost 1200 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, and then this past year, um, Parker Washington was the leading receiver, 46 catches, 611 and two touchdowns. And that's with missing a bunch of games. So, um, I agree. I don't think like the last couple of years, I don't think receiver has been a weakness, but we haven't seen outside of Dotson, obviously. And then, you know, a nice nice trajectory for Parker. We haven't seen a ton of like 
star development or emergence. Um, and, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith came along really nicely at the end of this year. We're all excited for what he's going to do next year. Um, but there, there's a lot of young receivers on this team. Um, you know, we'll, there was one class where we took five wide receivers, another class where we took three. Like, you expect some of those guys to develop early, get reps, play, make impact. Um, but we find ourselves, you know, hitting the portal as as it's a need. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so we wish we wish Tyler Stubblefield the best, um, you know. Hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. I say that every time a coach is fired. Uh, I'm sure he's a great guy. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that you almost kind of like to see from James Franklin because he's he's constantly evaluating. He realizes there's a potential, you know, weak link, and he makes a change. So it it, it happened, and, and we welcome Marcus Higgins. Um, you know, this is our – fifth one two three four fifth wide receivers coach under james franklin uh josh gaddis obviously for the first couple of years he went on to offensive coordinator stints uh bama michigan miami uh david corley came in 2018 uh that was sort of the failed experiment where he came in was supposed to coach running backs but then we got a guy named jay want cider uh, who is a legend so they moved him over to wide receivers and and just wasn't the right fit uh, then we brought in Jared Parker, uh, who who we kind of thought was going to be the guy for a little while. Uh, KJ Hamler speaks so highly of him uh, just in their one year together. Uh, but he got an offer to be the OC at West Virginia. Uh, I looked that up. He's actually now at Notre Dame being a tight ends coach. So I guess the the stint at West Virginia's OC didn't didn't last too long. Uh, then we had Stubbs for three years. Now we move on to Marcus Higgins. Um, instant reaction. What do you what do you think? What do you feel? How do you, how do you like this hire? Yeah, I mean, so I, I was all in on the uh, the Josh Gaddis coming yeah. back. I, I had my, my tinfoil hat on. Yep, the Wikipedia um, entries. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I had any idea who he was before he got hired. Um, but, you know, I, you like to see James Franklin famously gave that speech after the Ohio State game a few years ago. The, the You know, we're, we're good. What is it? Good, not elite, or great, not elite. Yeah, we're a great um, team. We're not elite yet. Yeah. What? Well, it's time to make elite moves. Um, and, yeah. you know, it remains to be seen whether this will be an elite move. Uh, he's got a reputation as a as kind of a, um, um, like a developer specialist, which is the same as Stubblefield. Um, yep. But I, I think maybe there is a little more in the recruiting game in this hire. Uh, I mean, you know, comes in and immediately named offensive recruiting uh, coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw that. Got to imagine, think very highly of his abilities as a recruiter. Um, I mean, he's been down at UVA for like a decade. Um, and there, there's kind of two ways to look at that. I mean, he there is he's got a receiver in the NFL right now. That's great, uh, yep. considering the program he's coming from. Uh, but, you know, also, it, you know, it's a big step up in terms of programs. UVA is not a winning program right now. Uh, yeah. So if he's so good, what was he doing at this program for this long? I'm not sure. Um, and then the other thing to look at is, you know, Penn state has recruited Virginia extremely well in the past. Um, but he has ties to, uh, like Penn state recruits Northern Virginia very well. Um, he's got some deep ties in Southern Virginia, like the Virginia beach area, which Penn state traditionally does not recruit. Well, that's where they don't really get a lot of guys from. Um, and that, that's a good area for football. Yeah. That, that, that's where Mike Vick is from, you know? Oh, damn. 
So yeah. that's a pretty good player. That's where, that's where <laughs> Allen Iverson, you know, not football, but that's where Allen Iverson is from. Like, this is a place did that you, produces did you hear this? athletes. Did you hear yeah. this? Apparently, Mark Sagan is good friends with Allen Iverson. Yeah. There's like a picture of like his kids with, with Allen Iverson. Like, dude. I didn't know about pre- that, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was his kids, or I don't know. It was a kid with Allen Iverson from a Mark Sagan tweet. Like, let's get let's get AI on the recruiting trail. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, th- th- this could be an important piece to bring in some athletes and, you know, make this room, you know, really up- upgrade the. You know, get get some game changers in this room. We feel like we haven't brought in anyone that exciting in a, in a couple of years. Yeah, I think you know the you know the the coaching carousel happens every year. You know, early on in in James Franklin's tenure, we saw some guys leave for prospective bigger jobs. You know, people going to SEC programs, Bob Shoup, Herb Hand, uh, these guys that you know kind of went on and didn't do a ton, right? And then we've seen some guys, you know, go on and become head coaches, right? Charles Huff at Marshall. Uh, Brent Pry finally just took the, the head coach at, at Virginia Tech. So like, this is going to happen. Franklin says he always has a list of assistants that he's monitoring and watching. So I'm sure this guy's been on his radar for a while. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I had no idea who he was. Um, I, I am going to be reading off my notes now that we're on YouTube. I can't just cheat and like constantly read. So I'm going to be reading. Um, but yeah, he's been the UVA wide receivers coach since 2013. Uh, one of the big things that a couple different people pointed out on Twitter is that spans three head coaches. Um, Mike London was the head coach when he was hired. Bronco Mendenhall came in, retained him. Tony Elliott came in, retained him. Um, that doesn't happen a ton. You know, when a, when a head coach comes in, they normally bring most of their staff, um, pick their guys. This guy's, you know, head coach proof, if you will. Um, he's been a name mentioned for some other Big Ten and SEC jobs. Um, I looked into that. Everyone's like, oh, he's been SEC jobs, SEC jobs. It looked like it was like a South Carolina rumor like a couple of years ago. So it's not necessarily like he was going to Alabama or Georgia or anything, but he's been he's been a coveted guy uh, from bigger programs. Um, a couple of things I read on like his bio on the UVA website, on the top 20 career receptions list for UVA, uh, 15 of those 20 are wide receivers. He's coached nine of them. Um, that's 60% of the top 15 wide receivers are under this guy. Pretty good. Um, UVA has existed since the late 1800s. Uh, obviously, football has changed. It's more passing lately. But still, he's he's got a good resume there. Um, the NFL receiver you mentioned, um, definitely not saying his name right, but Olamid Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Um, he's been in the league for four years on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he's, he's a role player, um, but he's gotten better every year. Uh, 20 catches, 31, 40, uh, 270 yards up to 533, one touchdown up to three touchdowns. So, you know, he's, he's having a decent NFL career, right? That that's pretty cool. Um, his, his career at UVA was sick. His, his senior year, he had like 90, I'm looking 93 catches, almost 1100 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, you can see Hagan's really developed him. Um, and then the thing you mentioned, the, the recruiting, right? Last year, we got six of the top 10 in, in Virginia. Um, some really big impact guys that we think are going to play a big role in this team over the next couple of years. Uh, Hagens is a lifelong Virginia guy. He grew up there. Uh, he went to Virginia. He's from there. He has those deep ties. And I think you said it, 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 it's really hard to be known as a good recruiter when you're at a program like Virginia. I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, he doesn't have any big recruiting wins. He doesn't have a big recruiting win. You try selling UVA football. Like it's not a great product. You know what I'm saying? So I think now you look at the relationships he's built with, you know, high schools there and coaches there. And uh, you hope that that now becomes fruitful. 
having a much more desired location, right? He's he's obviously someone people respect and 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 trust and care about. Now he can say, hey, come to play at Penn State football. We're a top 10 team. We're going to be going to the playoff. I got Drew Aller ready to throw for you, right? And after him, whoever comes over the next couple of years, like it, now's the time to, to see like, yeah, what, what's this guy all about? So um, I think the thing that he's been there for 13 years is, is kind of a good thing, right? I, I, it's loyalty. It's, 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 I don't know if trust is the right word, but it, it, I don't know. It, it shows something about him. Like he's had opportunities. He could have jumped. I think he was probably waiting for something that really spoke to him, really talked to him. And Penn State is that that job. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold against, you know, the the, the career at UVA. It, 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 I think it's fair to say it raises some question marks just coming from a program that isn't really all that good. But yeah, like why didn't he take a job earlier? If yeah. there were, if there were opportunities, and why now? And maybe, yeah, maybe it is like a family thing. Maybe he just really did love being in Virginia, and you know, finally, Penn State is a job that's really good and close enough, kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but I everything I everything I've read about him, you know, every everyone that I've seen on Twitter from UVA is, you know, you're getting a great one. You know, take care of him. He's he's amazing. Uh, I watched a couple of like YouTube videos. Um, I, I tweeted one out the other day. Uh, he's mic'd up running a drill with his guys and the ACC network is like talking to him kind of a weird concept for an interview, but it was really cool because like he was very gracious to the panel. It was like Eddie Royal was on the panel, a couple other guys, very interesting, but he was very gracious to them answering questions. Um, but he was so laser focused on the drill at the same time. Like I, I haven't, I can't say I've ever watched Taylor Stubblefield or, or Gaddis or any of them run a drill. So I'm not comparing, but it was really cool to see him, like how he coached his guys. He was very, very involved, very directive. Um, a lot of intensity. I, I really love that, but like so supportive at the same time. Uh, one of the one of the questions they asked him was something about a guy coming back from injury, and he's like, his answer was like, "I just want him to have trust in himself. I want him to feel good. I want him to be the player I know he can be." And he was just like building his guys up. It was, I, I really liked it. So, like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go you know sell myself on on one YouTube video say he's the best coach of all time, but everything I've read, everything I've seen, I feel good about it. Yeah, exactly. And you know I, the. The like the kind of red flag, if you'd even call it that, of being at UVA, I is, is certainly not enough for me to go, you know, to to like really question how good this guy is. Um, I I don't think it's a move James Franklin makes unless this guy really is, you know, has has potential to be like a real, real stud difference maker as a coach. Um, and you know, some of the, what I have heard about him is that he, you know, from a development standpoint, he is very good at kind of like what you said it taking guys, making them more confident in, you know, that the fact that they can, they can do the job that they can catch the ball. I mean, that's a big thing as a wide receiver, you lose a little bit of confidence in your hands and it's not so much about your physical ability as it is your mental ability to trust yourself to catch that ball. Like you yeah. watch guys like Jahan who just go up and get it wherever it is. That's because he knows like, yeah. there's, there's a part of Jahan Dotson that knows every time he is jumping in the air, that ball is in his hands and it's staying in his hands. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal as a wide receiver. Um, and that could be a big deal with a guy like DeAndre Lambert Smith, who, you know, I, I think you're seeing his confidence very much on the rise at oh, yeah. the end of this season. Uh, but, you know, early part of his career, that, those were some struggles. And with, with young guys, I think those are probably some of the bigger issues you're going to have with young athletic wide receivers are most likely going to be some confidence issues. Yeah. And that was another question they asked in that, in that interview too. They said something about like, uh, how much, how much confidence, I don't know if confidence is the word, but it was like, how much confidence does having a quarterback like, I think it was Brennan Armstrong at the time. It's like, how much confidence does having a quarterback 
like Brendan Armstrong do for your room? And I loved his answer. It was something about like, yeah, you know, he's a great quarterback. He can sling it. We got to go up and do our jobs now. It's our job to make the play. It's our job to take the tools and take the talent around us and make them better. It's just like, yeah, like you're going to have, you're have Drew Aller. Like you're going to have some really good quarterbacks. You're going to have some really good wide receivers. Um, and I, I think that'll be really exciting to see. Um, which kind of pivots us right into this next topic of the transfer portal, because we have two brand new wide receivers that he's going to be working with immediately. Uh, so any last, any last thoughts on uh, Hagen's before we move into the transfer portal? I think you got to be happy with this hire. Um, I, I think it, they, this could do a lot of good for Penn state. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Transfer portal. So we have not recorded uh, really since the Rose Bowl victory. Uh, and then we focused on the game during that episode. So a lot has happened. Uh, I'm going to run through all the names real quick, and then we'll kind of deep dive into some of the more marquee things. Um, but we have had four transfer ins so far, uh, headlined by wide receiver Dante Cephas from Kent State. Uh, another wide receiver, Malik McLean from Florida State. We've got cornerback Storm Duck, first team, all name team incredible uh coming from unc and punter riley thompson from fau uh so uh some nice ads there we'll break them down in a minute uh we've seen a decent bit of of i won't say exodus but outflow i was gonna say inflight is outflow a word i don't know we've seen some guys leave is what i'm trying to say uh since we have last recorded uh some of these maybe happened before the rose bowl i don't remember uh quarterback christian veyu has left uh he has landed at pitt it's hard to swallow for a lot of people. Um, I was for so supportive. Christian they boo. Hey, got him. I was so, I was like so hyped when he left. I tweeted out like a highlight video of him from that Rutgers game. And then as soon as he committed to Pitt, all the Pitt people started retweeting it. I was like, damn it, this was not my intention. But we wish him luck. Uh, offensive tackle Malik McNeil. I think he, I think he was kind of announced that he wasn't with the team like early on. I don't remember exactly, but but he's in the portal now. Uh, defensive lineman Rodney McGraw has landed at Louisville. Corner Jeffrey Davis Jr., unknown. Uh, Fatorma Mulba, defensive lineman, lands at West Virginia. Uh, linebacker Jamari Budden, unknown, no destination yet. Corner Marquise Wilson, no destination yet. Running back Keith Han Lee, which hurts, no destination yet. Uh, and then most recently, wide receiver Jaden Dotton, uh, no destination yet. So... A lot to cover. Let's start with the transfers in, which is the most exciting. Uh, for months, we've talked about adding wide receivers. Uh, we knew it was a, a, an area of need. Um, Mitchell Tinsley came in last year, provided provided some nice consistency, some some really good reps for us over the course of the year. Um, losing him, losing Parker Washington, uh, there were there was a need to bring in some experienced guys. Dante Cephas was number one on the list for as long as I can remember comes in from Kent state. He's got two years remaining from what I read uh, and, and has put up some really great numbers at Kent state. Uh, I didn't think we were going to land him. There was a ton of rumors about credits, not transferring and academic issues and all this stuff. And then out of nowhere, he drops the committed with the Penn state swag and logos and all that. I was, I was shooketh as the kids say, <laughs> what do you think about Dante Cephas? Yeah, I think that, you know, this is going to be very much like your Mitchell Tinsley type of, transfer in from last season, uh, you know, smaller program to bigger program, proven commodity. Uh, you know, his 2022 season was good. His 2021 season was monstrous. Yeah. That was his big one, right? For 1200 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, I, he, he's a guy, he has the skills as a receiver. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to run good routes. Your only question with him coming in is going to be the athleticism. 
um, coming from the Mac to the Big Ten. Same thing we kind of heard about Tinsley coming in, where Franklin was like, yeah, you know, he's going to have to get a little bit faster. Um, sure. Similarly, Cephas is not going to be – he's not going to be your burner. He's, you know, he can make contested catches, though. Um, he, it's not his strongest area, but he can. But he's a very good route runner, and he's got good hands. Yeah, I think um, – I'm a little – I'm not going to oppose you on that, but I did, I watched the, uh, did you watch the for the bloggy video on him? Um, They did a breakdown. And the one thing that maybe tempered expectations a little bit was the limited route tree. Basically they did not ask him to run a lot of different routes. They ran the option route of, you know, a go or a curl over and over and over again. And he burned you. And he, there was one game where they ran it like 12 times. He knows how to separate. Yeah, they ran it like 12 times in one game where he would act like he's running the go route and then just stop and they would feed him for 10 yards every time, every time, every time. Um, So there are limitations there. Um, My headphones just died. Let's let's see if we can keep this episode going. Uh, Can you still hear me, Pat? Yes, yes, I can. Okay. Uh, Hopefully the audio doesn't suffer too much. Uh, My headphones have been dying for weeks and I don't know where the cord is and I haven't bought one. I apologize. Anyway, uh, Dante Cephas, like I said, that that video uh, tempered expectations a little bit in in the sense of it, it was it was a limited route tree. He's he's, he's a good route runner in what he does, um, but it was a lot of the same stuff of like take the guy deep or sit on the curl and, and get those 10, 15 yards every time. Um, and, and then, yeah, just the, the level of competition, right, is is are you going to be able to do that to big 10 corners? I don't know. All right, so we're going to find out. But he was, like I said, probably the most coveted wide receiver in the portal as of late, and we got him, so that's awesome. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from with that that limited rep tree thing. Um, to me, though, like, yeah, you know, it could be an issue, but if you see a guy who just who kind of like knows how to move his body in order to separate from defenders like that, he's going to be able to do that with pretty much any route. Like, I don't... I don't see just because he's not running a lot of 10 yard ins that he can't transfer that skill to that route. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like super worried about it, but it was one of those things. Like when you see the stats of like, would you, yeah. say, you know, how many catches and 1200 yards, you're like, Oh, this guy's going to be all over the field and he's going to be, you know, the number one. And like, you know, people are penciling him in as number one already. It's like, well, hopefully that'd be awesome. No, I mean, <laughs> but, he might even be a slot receiver. Like he has that kind of skill set where yeah. you can get open in short area. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the the thing now. I'm very excited for this. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm thrilled. Oh, it's a great addition. Um, stats he, he's, he's not going to come in and be the Big Ten leader in yards. Of course. Stats are amazing. Uh, the eye test pass. He looks like a grown-ass man. I don't know if you've seen his pictures. Um, he, he looks like a dude. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but like I said, you know, there's Keandre Lambert-Smith, who we're very excited about. There's some young guys. Um, if this adds any sort of complimentary football to that wide receiver room, you are more than thrilled. If he's a solid number two all season, hell, if he's a solid number three behind, say, Keandre and one other guy, like, you're happy with him being a regular starter. I'm just tempering a little bit of, like, when, when it was first when it was first happened, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to come in and he's going to be the best wide receiver ever. <laughs> like, and that's my own naivety. Like, obviously, I didn't do any research. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for what he brings, and I think it was a huge get. Uh, for Franklin and the staff to push through whatever issues there were or were not. Like I said, it was all rumors. Nothing was ever really reported, so you don't know what happened. Um, but this is a big get. Uh, you pair that, we got one more, which was a real surprise to me. I hadn't heard his name before he really announced. It was like 
it's like the day before because some some people started reporting it they saw his name in like the directory and they're like oh we got him like there's a whole a whole buzz on twitter of like don't ruin the kid's announcement let him do it like anyone can be in the directory even if they haven't transferred it was a whole thing here nor there we get malik malik mclean uh from florida state and i've heard nothing but good things about this dude what's uh what's your initial take yeah i mean i think he is i think a very good these are two additions that i think complement each other well i think you've got the proven commodity um but like limited ceiling and athleticism in cephas and then you've got a guy who i think is a little bit more of an athletic freak but has not put it together on the field and is not quite the technician in Malik McLean. Um, but you're talking about a guy who's six, four. Uh, I think he was a four-star recruit. Yep. Um, he's, he is a burner. He is fast. He's a guy who can just outrun a cornerback. Uh, and he's a guy who can go up and get the ball too. Oh yeah. I think you saw those highlight videos. Yes. He, he yeah. can make a contested catch. Is the end zone sure. fade coming back? Is the red zone fade coming back? Let's not. Let's, let's not. Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump. But did you see that? You, you've seen the highlight that I'm talking about. There yes, I have. Red zone throws it up, and he just. If you're gonna, if you're gonna throw that play, throw it to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he is a guy who's going to need to be developed. Uh, he yeah. might not be a starter this year. He might not be a serious contributor in 2023. That, that's a, but. Yeah, you know, if you get one decent year and one really good year out of him, home run. Yeah, and he's got that potential. He's got potential. You know, if he comes in, starts you know working with a new wide receivers coach right away, and this guy can develop players as well as he is. You know, rumored to. You're you're. This is a guy who could make some noise in 2023. Yeah, I agree. high high ceiling. I agree. I was I was I was very interested to see they both have two years of eligibility from what I've read. Um, I thought Cephas was one, but I, I was, I read, I read a couple of articles today. Uh, I think it was 24 seven, uh, and a couple other articles, they all listed two. So don't quote me on that, but that's what I read. Uh, but Malik, I think in, in particular, what I've heard from Florida state fans on Twitter is that, uh, their room was just too crowded. Right. Which is like, you never know how to take that. Cause that's like. <laughs> That's what you say a lot of times, like, oh, we're just too good. He, he would have never fit in. That's what Rucker said about Saquon Barkley when he flipped, if you remember <laughs> that. They said, our room is too crowded. He won't get touches. Obviously, they were dead wrong, and he's amazing. But you hear that a lot of times, too, of like, oh, this kid's good. We're just too crowded. And, like, sometimes those kids don't pan out. But, like I said, you watch his tape. You see the athleticism. Even looking at the numbers, like, he had less than 20 catches in each of his two seasons for a couple hundred yards. But – Two touchdowns one year, three touchdowns the other year. If you're getting two touchdowns on 16 catches, that's pretty good. I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he made the most of his time on the field. He just wasn't out there a whole lot. So, I don't know. I think he had an injury this year as well. Okay. Nothing major, but I think, you know. I don't know what their wide receiver room looks like. I haven't watched a lot of Florida State football. But if that's the case where you're like, I know I can do more and I'm just not getting it here, hell yeah, brother, come on down. Like, that's awesome. Um, So, I'm very excited about both these guys. Um, you know, like we mentioned, you got Keandre Lambert Smith, you got, you know, the guys that started kind of coming on in, in Harrison Wallace. And you look at some of the younger guys of Omari Evans and Hayden Saunders and Liam Clifford. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple names right now, but like, there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver room. You add two guys with legit college experience that makes everyone better. Like that, that makes the entire room better. You don't have to rely on hopefully one of those guys making a superstar jump. 
right? You hope that maybe maybe Harrison Wallace becomes a very good, very good wide receiver this year. You don't need him to be the best, right? Like I think it, I think it really, really helps the entirety of the room. And that's what I'm I'm most excited about with these two two additions. Yeah. And, you know, it, it puts you in a very different situation where like, I I'm all in on Keandre Lambert Smith. I think he's going to be a stud next year. This I think he's a bona fide number one. Podcast. Absolutely. Um, and it puts you in a position where now instead of having your guy and then you need two guys to step up and pop. Yeah. Now I think you have one guy with, you know, you've got your bona fide one. You've got a transfer coming in who I think is a reliable two. Yep. And now you're only looking for one guy to pop. Yeah. Like that, that, that question mark is now from two guys to one, one guy. And, and, and I would say even like one and a half with the addition of, or sorry, yeah. a half a guy. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think that, that's, a, that's a huge difference because yeah, every team you go, you go down the lineup and there's question mark here, question mark here, question mark here. Only so many of those work out. Of like it, it, it just doesn't happen where everything works. And yeah, the, the more think, things you can limit to being question marked, the more <laughs> successful you're going to be. Absolutely, and I think it, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something we talk about all the time. Like I, I, I'm still pretty into recruiting, but I used to be a recruiting nut, and I would get so attached to these players and think every single one of them was going to be a four year starter, and every one of them was going to be amazing, and it just doesn't happen. Um, Jaden Dotton, who, who we just mentioned, is is transferring out. I loved him as a prospect. I. There's a tweet from earlier this year. I was like, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the next guy. Like you get attached to these kids and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, But I think there's so much talent in that room. Like I mentioned, you got Wallace, you got Evans, you got Saunders, you got Clifford. There's so much talent in that room. I'm definitely forgetting someone and I feel bad because it's going to piss me off when I look it up. Um, There's so much. Christian Driver. Christian Driver. Hell yeah. There's still probably someone else. But anyway. Uh, Malik Mega. Malik Magna, sure. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, there's a lot of talent. In <laughs> Liam that. Clifford. I think, I think even with a new wide receivers coach, like I think this makes it more conducive for somebody to take that jump, right? It's like, hey, the opportunity is there. Yes, there are transfers coming in, but I think it's I think it's seen as like, all right, I got to go take it. Like, it's not going to be given to me. I'm not going to be the next guy just because it's my second year or my third year. Like I have to go earn it. Uh, and I think we're going to see that. So I'm really, really excited. Absolutely. Huge additions all across the wide receiver room. I'm not a breath pad. I gotta I gotta get back into podcasting shape. It's been like a month. <laughs> um the other two, the other two additions, uh Storm Duck mentioned. Great name. Uh he is a grad transfer. Great name, good player. Yeah, grad transfer is one year, but again, an article I read said he has the possibility to take advantage of a sixth year for COVID. Like, why wouldn't that just be built into his eligibility? I don't know. Either well, way, he might not he might not take it. Yeah, we have at least one year, um, and this is this is exciting, right? You lose obviously Joey Porter Jr. to the NFL. Uh, you look at Marquise Wilson, who's transferring out. He had he had been kind of in the rotation there. Um, didn't really put it all together. Uh, you know, they, there was that one year where they tried him out at wide receiver, which maybe slowed him down a little bit. Uh, he had you know that that memorable maybe the one you don't want to remember in the Rose Bowl where he kind of got tripped up. I think maybe he just saw, you know, there, there's a lot of talented DBs in this room. Uh, maybe he just feels, you know, his chances are better elsewhere. But Storm Duck, uh, I see this very much in the Johnny Dixon vein, right? A guy who can come in with talent at a legitimate program uh, and can compete right away. He's made some plays at UNC. He's been a good player. 
Um, do I think he's an immediate starter? Probably not, right? You got Caitlin King and Johnny Dixon, and um, I really need to write shit down. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Daquan Hardy. There you go. There's, there's, is Daquan Hardy back yet? Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, there's a lot of good corners on this team, but I think Storm is a, a guy who can come in and, and be in that rotation pretty early on. Um. What's your take on Storm Duck? I'm also holding a little duck right now. It's like a little. Uh, it's a purple duck. I have yellow ones too. New, new mascot for the podcast, Storm. I was just saying, Storm. This is this, this is, is that's him. Uh, my roommate bought like 500 of these, and now we just put them out around at like bars and stuff follow uh ducks of nyc on instagram well shameless plug uh but what do you think about storm just post storm every now and then what do you think about storm duck uh i i i think it's a big addition penn state is the kind of team they like to have like they have their one and then they have like kind of a they, they run like a three-man rotation at cornerback like yeah. this year it was joey kalen king johnny dixon yep joey leaves and then you're looking at just kalen king johnny dixon you you don't want to have two guys out there the whole game. Right. And, you know, you keep guys fresh and, you know, other things that happen. Uh, so, have, dude, having a bona fide third guy, um, hey, dude, he's got some seriously good pass breakup numbers. Yeah. Uh, seriously good grades from PFF. I think it's a big addition. The, this is a guy who could come in, fight with Johnny Dixon for that kind of, like, starting spot, but at the very least be a serious contributor, be in that Johnny Dixon role that was there this season. Yeah, agreed. And then, like I said, there is there is some some young talent uh, in the in the defensive back room too, right? We've seen it at safety. We've seen you know Zachy Wheatley kind of step up. Uh, Jim Reed, uh, you know, over the last couple of years has has played that role. We're going to see that at safety with uh, with Jair Brown leaving. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, uh, Joey Porter Jr. gone. Uh, Kalen King, bona fide number one. Cam Miller is the other one. I was like, there it is. Uh, Cam Miller was a true freshman last year. He he got some play uh, towards the end of the year. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, oh, wow. Storm Duck is actually listed on the official roster already. Look at that. Yeah. But dude, um, Storm Duck, he's got the potential to be like, be that guy that Johnny Dixon was this year where everyone's talking about how to, how good the top two guys are. And then yeah. a bunch of Penn State fans are going like, dude, you know who is really good though? Like, <laughs> you, you know who I like? Yeah. Storm Duck. Yeah. Oh, I think he's going to be a fan favorite pretty quick because if he makes – if he makes like one or two plays early on, people should be like, Storm Duck, that's my guy, Storm Duck. There are going to be nicknames. There are going to be, I mean, the the signs that, that, that they hang over on the student section. There's so many puns, so many words. I am Storm. I am Storm is great. Um, but yeah, he's also he's also the biggest corner as I'm looking at this. Again, sorry, I'm, I'm reading while we're doing this. Uh, Johnny Dixon, six foot 190. Kalen King, 5'11", 189. Uh, Cam Miller, six foot 178. Storm Ducks coming in at six foot two hundred. Uh, he's he's a he's our biggest defensive back, our biggest corner at least that I'm looking at right now. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for you know Kalen King's big year as the best corner in the country. Uh, I'm excited for Johnny Dixon to keep going. I think Cam Miller is promising. I love Daquan Hardy. You've heard me talk about him. Um, I, I think the stability that Storm brings in. We've also we also the 2023 class has a ton of defensive backs we went really heavy on that so there's going to be a lot of play in that room but again this gives people time to develop adds a proven commodity we're kind of saying the same thing here sorry but yeah i i I think he's going to be that guy who like when he comes in the game a team thinks that they can like pick on him take advantage of you know that third guy and he's like 
I'm sorry. Do, do you no. know that I I am Storm Duck? You know my fucking name. Are you are you aware of the fact that I am Storm Duck? You know I'm Storm Duck. Storm Duck. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then Riley Thompson, uh, punter from FAU. Um, I don't know what the punter situation is next year. Um, we actually will. We got a couple Twitter questions to this episode. I want to shout them both out. We'll probably get to them next episode because they're both kind of future next year on the field questions. Um, we are recruiting said who plays Will and Sam next year between Carter and Jacobs. We'll save that for next episode. Thank you. We are recruiting. Um, but Drew Cagle said thoughts on the future of the kicking. I, mean, I can, I can tell you right now what the answer to that one is though. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> all right, God. <laughs> no, no, we're saving it. Chris. We're saving it. We're, we're talking about, it. We're, we're talking teasing. about Riley Thompson. You got, you got to come back. We're talking about you Riley Thompson. Come back. You want the answers to Will. Come back. Sam. If you want those answers, stay tuned. There's more. Um, but Drew Cagle said, what are your thoughts on the future of the picking game? Um, which I definitely want to deep dive that on the next episode. Cause you know, Penninger's gone. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but bring in punter Riley Thompson. Um, punter's kind of interesting, man. You know, last year we saw Barney Amore kind of be awesome in the beginning of the year. It was amazing. And then kind of a little bit inconsistent. Uh, there were times where they brought in the younger kid, Alex Paquetta, I think is his name. Um, and now you bring in a guy who's experienced. You look at his numbers, they're not earth-shattering, Riley Thompson. They're good. They're not amazing. Um, but he's, you know, a, a college punter. So um, I don't know where he fits in. I'll be honest. I have no idea. I don't know if he's he's competing for the starting job. I don't know if he just wanted to be at a bigger program. I, I don't really know. What's your take on Riley Thompson? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you bring in a punter if he's not competing for the starting job. You know, you're not, yeah, that's, I, well, you're not throwing around offers to specialists who you don't think are going to come in and start. True. It's it's been a long day. I didn't mean that. I meant I don't think I don't know if he's coming in as like a I, yeah. I mean I, I don't Stone I don't think Penn State here. does that. They're they're not a program that yeah goes to the transfer portal and says hey you're going to be our starter when you come. They right. go like listen if you come and be yeah. what we think you are, absolutely yeah. You know you're going to have a bona fide chance at being a starter, but they they do not guarantee starting spots. I think it's why they don't get certain kids in the portal. But I think it's why they have the sort of locker room um, atmosphere and attitude that they do. I think it's the reason that they're a tight team. I think it's the reason Penn State is a great culture. They don't make these kind of promises to kids. But I don't think they're bringing in anybody unless they see them as someone who can start. Yeah, yeah. Bear with me, people. It's been a long day. Sorry, it's 8 o'clock here. I had a long one. Um, yeah, my my point was like looking at his numbers, I wasn't like – Oh my God, this guy's going to be like the punter, change the yeah. game. Like, and it's not a knock on him whatsoever. He's, he's at FAU. Like, so it's definitely a lower level program, different atmosphere, all that. I get that. Um, but I think like when you brought on Jordan Stout, like there was the immediate, like, oh, this kid has a huge leg. He's going to be a kickoff specialist and have a good chance to be our deep field goal kicker. And then he ended up like taking over for Pinnegar for a year and, and, and really kind of making that his own. I just, I didn't get the same like, wow factor when i looked at riley thompson but that being said uh i think we i think we had an interaction on twitter is he he's the australian one riley thompson he, he is indeed love a yeah, good aussie punter yeah so i said uh i said uh good day mate welcome aboard <laughs> or something like that and some some guy responded to me like don't make fun of him i was like i'm not i was genuinely welcoming him like i thought that was kind of funny he's from australia and i said good day mate and he responded he's like no i love it all good like so yeah. Riley, we're friends, brother. We're friends. You have an open invite to come on the pod anytime you want. Uh, well, I'm well, the Fosters, if you're ever out in L.A. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, um, now that I remember that interaction, I'm more excited. 
Fuck it. Riley Thompson, Hunter of the Future. Welcome aboard, brother. Right, baby. Good day. <laughs> um, but those are our four transfers in so far. So before we move to outs, we're not going to go through all of them. That'd be taking way too long. Um, but before we move to kind of glancing through them, transfer in, there is another round of transfer portals before summer practices begin, I believe. Is there any, if it's not a player, maybe it's a position, is there anything else you have your eye on? Um, I mean, I think they're always going to be looking at offensive line depth. They're for sure going to be looking for running back depth, but that's a hard sell. Yeah. Um, same thing with quarterback depth, hard sell. Um, middle linebacker, maybe. Uh, defensive tackle is probably the big one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen most from, from people on Twitter is like interior defensive linemen, maybe some linebacker depth. Um, but I haven't seen any like huge names. Like, like I said, Cephas for, you know, if what felt like months was like the guy to get, I haven't really seen anyone like crazy that they're tied to right now. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple months. Not, keeping- not many big D tackles going to the portal because uh, if you're that good, yeah, university is going to keep you happy. And um, let's be honest, if you're one of the few guys walking around at like six five three fifty who can clog up the hole as a one tech, you're probably not falling down to a smaller program. Like yeah. you're going to be highly recruited. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, we'll do our best to keep keep our ears to the ground and keep you guys informed on uh, what to expect uh, in future transfer portals. Um, like I mentioned, we've seen you know a good a good bit of guys leave in this round. Um, just from a quantity standpoint, it feels like a little bit more than maybe some previous years. But um, as always, you know, it's it's more often than not a guy who was. Not going to play as much, maybe, you know, a little bit buried on the depth chart, which again, is funny because we always say this, right? Like, oh, he's better than the depth chart. It's fine. He can leave. But then we look at Malik McLean and we're like, oh, he's just buried in the depth chart. He's perfect. Like, it, you you play both sides of the coin every time. Um, but we do wish all these guys best of luck. We hope they find situations that benefit them. Um, I think the biggest one for me was was Kevon Lee. Um, you know, I've, I've just grown to be such a fan of his over the last couple of years. And then... You know, obviously we saw the writing on the wall. It's not a surprise to anyone. You got Nick Singleton and Katron Allen doing what they do. It's, you know, as you're getting older, you don't want to sit behind two freshman studs. Get it. Um, but it was like a couple months ago, someone asked him on his Instagram, like, you know how you can put those like questions out? Uh, someone asked him on his Instagram story, like, are you coming back next year? And he's like, you know, I got to run it back or something like that. So like, very exciting. I was pumped. I was like, all right, we're going to figure out a three-headed monster. It's going to be amazing. Um but you got to do what's best for you. And, and I hope he gets a chance to start somewhere because I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, so that one probably hit me, hit me the hardest. Um, I, don't know. I don't know what else I was going to say. There. I, dude, I, I'm having an off day. Sorry, guys. Uh, Pat, needs to, Pat needs to take care of something. So uh, we'll be back after this commercial break. Oh, good? He's back. Yeah. It was so, someone was knocking on my door uh, oh, as usual. Just someone dropping off a package for my girlfriend. Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, all right. We were talking about Kevon Lee. Uh, mentioned that was, uh, you know, the one I'm going to miss the most. I put out a uh, Kevon Lee appreciation tweet with his game-winning touchdown at Purdue. We'll always be thankful for that. Uh, and he did retweet it with a heart. So, Kevon, we'd love to have you on the show. Love to hear about your decision. Love to hear about what you, where you land. Uh, anyone on the transfer out list or anything you want to talk about uh, there before we wrap up and move on? Uh, yeah, you know, Kevon and Bayer are kind of similar. Um, you know, that they, they hurt not because they're your top-end starters, but they're important depth pieces. You know, it's tough to go into a season with two running backs, essentially. Um, yeah. 
uh, it's tough to go into a season with two quarterbacks. We're not playing. You know? I, I I completely glossed over that. Like, yeah, who have yeah, yeah, we, not, know we don't have show, but yeah. Purdue is the backup, and Jackson Smolik is an early enrollee. So you've got yeah. your backups. I've never thrown. I, I Purdue got a little bit of snaps. Um, yeah, it's a little scary. And you know, Kevon Lee was a legit. You know, I, as much as you know, uh, you had the two talented freshmen who I think at this point have have passed him. Guy was a legit passing threat out of that backfield. That, I thought that was really his strong suit as a running back. Um, and that He's a is a powerful runner, too. I mean, he, he, was, he wasn't Absolutely. the fastest guy. He wasn't going to break away a la Saquon or Nick Singleton, but he had a couple of really nice runs. Everyone talked about the Michigan game from, I think it was 2020. Um, was that the year uh, Journey and Noah both got hurt that Kevon came in and yes. kind of took over? Um, he, had, he had a lot of great memories of Penn State. So, yeah, yeah. he's the kind of guy like the Veyu one kind of like – I. It, it caught me a little bit by surprise because like Pitt has their quarterback. So like, you're going to go be a backup for a year there and then take over. Like, I guess, I guess he saw Drew's the future. So I don't want to be a career backup. Yeah. I don't have a chance to start. Makes sense. Um, but I hope Kevon goes to a place where he has a chance to like legit be the guy right away. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah, If he's going to leave, I hope he gets to go somewhere where he is the man. Yeah. So best of luck to all those guys. Welcome to the new guys. You are all now Nittany Lions for life. Uh, one last thing before we go to uh, the, the recruiting class, because this has been the talk of Twitter over the last couple of weeks uh, with the NFL playoffs going on is like, who gets to claim a player? So like all the Ohio State fans claim Joe Burrow, which he himself says, I'm a Buckeye. I have a great relationship with them. Sure. Cool. But like people put up pictures of like him. It's like Ohio State's in the playoffs. Like, chill dude like he, he's everyone knows he's an lsu like that's where he got his he never played a game at ohio yeah. state he, he had he, he played he had a couple snaps i looked it up i think he threw one he never game. started a game never started a game um the jalen hurts one everyone's like is he alabama or is he oklahoma like i, I tweeted out this morning that I one can go both ways at least sure. like the, that the man was a legit contributor at both universities yeah. i mean he went to the college football playoff at alabama yeah and like was a Heisman Trophy candidate there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then was this finished his career at Oklahoma, where again he, he won, won a Heisman Trophy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he won it that, there. That one can go either way, but like yeah. Joe Burrow, I don't care what he says, <laughs> yeah. has no business yeah. being considered a Buckeye. Yeah, people are an idiot. If, if people know like Jameson Williams too, and Jameson Williams has said like he doesn't fuck with the Buckeyes anymore. Like something happened at Ohio State that he doesn't like, and he obviously went to Alabama and succeeded. But like people put up pictures of like this wide receiver room, and it's like uh, Jameson Williams, uh, Olave, and Garrett Wilson. It's like he said he doesn't like you guys. Move on. So like I, I tweeted out this morning, I'm over it. I don't care. Claim whoever you want. I will be personally claiming all of these guys, whether they're the new guys who came in. If Cephas goes to the NFL, he's in it in line. If Veyu ends up in the NFL, I'm going to root for him and say, damn, I love that Rutgers game. Like, I do it now. Juwan Johnson, like, yeah, he went to Oregon, had a great year there, had the most touchdowns. He, he scored more touchdowns in one year at Oregon than he did, I'm pretty sure, in his entire career at Penn State. Maybe maybe, maybe just similar. Either way, I, I still claim him. Like, I'm over that is what I'm saying. I don't care. Claim whoever you want, whatever makes you feel happy. Hope all these guys do well. Moving on. <clears throat> 2023 recruiting class. Uh, we haven't really talked about this a whole lot, so I wanted to touch on it. Uh, again, we have a long off season, so we'll probably do another episode where we deep dive into the full class, talk about all the different guys, talk about their impacts, all of that. But um, just the highlights here, uh, we finish uh, from 24-7 from their rankings Obviously, it varies. I'm, I'm looking at 24-7. Uh, the 14th ranked class this year, one five-star, 
15 four stars, six three stars. Um, 11 of them are early enrollees. They're already on campus. So you love to see that. Uh, obviously, that is a tremendous um, advantage for a lot of these kids, especially in certain positions, getting into winter workouts, getting in the strength training program, uh, getting into the college atmosphere is huge. Um, so the highlights here, just a couple of the top guys, uh, Javen Williams, our five-star, he's an old lineman from Pennsylvania. He is a big dude. He's 6'4", 285, and he is incredibly athletic. Uh, every highlight you see is him like pulling from the left guard side to like lead block and just demolish people. Um, Offensive linemen don't typically start as true freshmen. You know, we talked about Landon Tengwall last year, uh, that he was kind of ready. Javen Williams is is that dude. If if someone is going to play as a true freshman, as an O-lineman, I think he has a good chance. So um, we'll see. Maybe he starts inside at like a guard, but I think he ends up as a tackle. Uh, next up, you got Alex Birchmeyer. He's another offensive lineman uh, from Virginia, 6'5", 290, so also a big guy. Uh, he was at one point, he was the number one interior O-lineman. So that's great to have some nice interior depth. Uh, Tony Rojas, linebacker, who's the Virginia Gatorade Player of the Year. Really excited about him. And then rounding out the top five, you got Elliot Washington, a corner from Florida, and Tamir Robinson, uh, an edge or a linebacker, depending on the service you look at, from Pennsylvania. So, like I said, we'll go into we'll go into the the full list of all twenty two guys. We'll break them down at some point. But uh, any thoughts on on this class or or any of the 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 headliners? Anything you got for recruiting? Yeah, I mean, I like, we'll go more into a deep dive. Um, I'm super blank on his name right now, but the safety from Alabama, I think he's going to be a stud. Um, Javen Williams, you know, five-star offensive lineman is always something to be excited about for this program. Birch Meyer's a guy who I think would be a five-star if he wasn't considered an interior prospect. Um, yeah, Tony Rojas. Um, it, 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 I, I think it's probably not as much day one contributors as the 2022 class. But I yeah. think there's a lot of depth in there and there's a lot of serious talent. Yeah. Dakari Nelson is the safety from Alabama. Yeah, um, he, he beast. Yeah. Um, I, I looked at just the breakdown here. Uh, three O-linemen, uh, two linebackers, five DBs. So I mentioned we got a lot of defensive backs in this. Um, you look at Elliot Washington, Dakari Nelson, uh, Zion Tracy, Lamont Payne. Uh, I think there's one more I'm missing. Who am I missing here? Who am I missing? Who am I missing? I don't know. There's one more. I'm, my screen's going crazy. Um, two alignment, five defensive backs, uh, three edge, uh, two or maybe three tight ends. So th this is a really good tight end class. Uh, Joey Schlaffer, Schlaffer uh, from Reading, PA is a four-star tight end. Uh, you got Mega Barnwell. He he was, I think, at one point our first commit in this class years ago. Uh, decommitted, reopened, came back. They haven't listed as an athlete, um, but I know he did play tight end at one point. Uh, and then there's Andrew... Rappel, yeah. Rappel, yeah. Rappel, yeah. He's a beast. He's a beast. He was a Michigan commit, I believe, flipped to us. So that's awesome. Uh, so you got two or three tight ends in this class. Love to see that. Uh, the one quarterback, Jackson Smolik. There's uh, only one wide receiver, uh, I believe. Carmelo Taylor, a uh, kid from Virginia. For yeah, so we, we missed on Cam Seldon and yep. Rodney Gallagher. Yep. That was yep. Tough exactly. Uh, there's two running backs, uh, London Montgomery, uh, who is is highly touted coming off of an injury. Uh, and then one of the latest additions was uh, Cam, Cam Wallace, a uh, very speedy guy. Uh, they have him listed as an athlete, um, but has a ton, ton of tape as a running back, just torching people. Uh, so you love to see the depth there, right? Getting two more in. We just talked about how losing Kivon, you know, you only have Nick and, and Katron. Um, that helps. 
uh, and then two two interior defensive linemen, at least as they're listed now. So uh, I love how we said we were going to wait to do a deep dive, and then I just listed almost every player. Um, but there's a lot of talent here. And I think, yeah, I think your point about not as much instant impact is probably true because last year's class was just an anomaly. I mean, there's I so- mean, what, three, four guys who legitimately contributed as true freshmen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick. That's Kate's pretty. Gonna, that's pretty nuts. Carter, yeah. Deny, yeah. Deny, yeah. There, and there's last year was an incredible class. And oh, and by the way, also Drew Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, you get to a point where there's a handful every year playing instant impact. Right. That's what the big programs do. You see a lot of those guys playing, if not in the same level as you know some of our guys. You see them playing in the second half when the team is blowing out. That's why they are studs in their second year. That's why they go to the NFL after their third year. Right. So I, I think we're in a good spot, you know, 14th, you love to see top 10 classes. Do we wish it was a little bit higher? Sure. Um, but I think there's a lot of talent in this class and, and I'm excited to dig into all of them a little bit more. Um, I think that's it for, for football. Like I said, we have a couple of Twitter questions. We were supposed to record this last week. Um, I was out of town for a wedding. Congrats, Britt and KJ. It was amazing. Um, We'll we'll touch on those in another episode too, where we'll we'll do some you know kind of previews of of the actual on the field product for next year. Um, but appreciate you guys writing in as always. Um, so for the rest of this episode, like I said, we're going to pivot a little bit. Um, that's our first off season recap for football. But there's a lot going on in the rest of Penn State athletics, and Pat is going to take us through some wrestling, some basketball. Pat, take it away. I'll start off with the basketball because that's going to be, you know, there's so much that you almost don't want to go too far into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Penn State just, just this moment fell to 13 and seven after getting absolutely shellacked by Rutgers. Oh, damn. Don't like to see. Um, but, you know, they're a good team. Second year under, under Micah Shrewsbury, who I think is going to be a great coach for Penn State, really has a chance to turn this program around. Um, they're, they're a team that I think is going to be a bubble tournament team at the end of the year. Um, you know, really getting beat that badly by Rutgers is not a bad team. Getting beat that badly is not going to look good on their resume. Yeah, I um, saw a tweet earlier that said, like, the uh, the likelihood of getting into the tournament if they won tonight versus if they lost. It was a big try. It was like, if they won, it was like almost 80% like to get in. Uh, and if they lost, it dropped down to like 60-something. So, yeah. not great. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's now looking at the point where, like, they're going to have to come out with a quality road win somewhere, whether that and there's limited amount of winnable those games left. Like I, I don't see a win at Purdue happening. Yeah. Number one team in the country. Um, I, I'm not Maryland could win that game. I'm not sure how good Maryland is this year. Um, a win at Ohio State again. Ohio State's a little down though. So I'm not sure how strong that win would be considered. Right. So, but you're they're going to have to come out with a, a strong win somewhere, whether it's home against Michigan, home against Wisconsin, but they lost very narrowly to on the road. I remember um, that. Home against Illinois. Like they're, they're going to have to pull off at least one win that they weren't expected to at this point, I think, to really be considered a t- tournament team. And then, you know, string together, a, you know, have a good showing at the Big Ten tournament and they can make it. Yeah, it's been, like I said, I, I, I've said this many, many times. We are a football podcast. I kind of pay attention to basketball. Pat is very in-depth on wrestling. So we're, we're, we're football with a wrestling touch. Uh, but basketball, like, it, it, it's fun to watch from the wings. Like, I, I, I know enough where, like, 
I see Michael Shrewsbury getting like tossed from games and he's super, super passionate. And I super like him. Love that. Uh, you see some of the milestones. I think it was uh, two guys hit a thousand points, right? It was at Lundy and uh, what's the other guy's name? Shit. Monk? Oh, Pickett. Um, Pickett. It's definitely Jalen Pickett, right? No, it was, it was a thousand career points. It was it was Seth Lundy and another guy that's been with us for a while. Yeah, um, Jalen Pickett, right? No, was, I'm definitely someone else. I'm blanking. Um, this is a bad episode, guys. I'm 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 That's I'm, right. I'm mush brain right now. This um, is a fun team, though, man. I so when, when they're fun, they're fun. Um, like they, every every time they I shoot, along, man. I, I follow along on Twitter a lot of times, and I just see Jake or Funk, Andrew Funk, Jake Funk, Andrew yeah, Funk. Andrew Funk. Um, Jake Funk is a running back from Maryland. <laughs> Andrew Funk, I just see. And all- Mark Funk is a kid I went to high school with. <laughs> there you go. Shout out. Really Funk. good squash player. Uh, I always see Funk like a lights out shooting. Um, the thousand points I was thinking, I'm pretty sure it was Seth Lundy and Miles Dredd. I think both had a thousand career points. Yes. Um, really cool. Jalen Pickett. I saw a graphic the other day talking about the best guards he's in the country. Beast. I had him listed as number one, the best card in the country. Yeah, um, no, he's a he's a bad man. Yeah, so it's it's very fun to watch along with. Uh, shout out to the people who are super invested and, and you know go to all the games. Was it Legion of Blue? I think they're called or something. Um, definitely fun to watch. I, I wish I liked it more. It's just basketball is not my sport. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, it, this is the kind of team where you know I'm not a huge basketball guy either, but I can watch this team because like you do when they're on, they're really fun. Yeah, because uh, they're just knocking down threes. Uh, they play quality defense. Uh, they they don't really have a big man like like a, a true Big Ten big man. Yeah, what was it last year? Uh, Har John Har. Yeah, Har. Yeah, but like man, when you know, there's going to be stretches every game when you're a shooting team where it goes cold and it's tough yeah. to watch. You live by the <laughs> three, you die by the three, man. It's it's tough. Um, but they, they, I, they're, they're um, if they get hot, especially in the tournament in the Big Ten tournament, man, watch out. They could be dangerous. Watch out, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, talking basketball, Penn State basketball right, with Pat Colicchio. And now um, to the greatest sports program. Let's get in to the your country. Penn State wrestling. Things appear to be pretty good, but give us give us the inside scoop here. The most dominant college football dynasty in existence currently, Penn State wrestling. Um, odds on favorite. To win the national championship again, again. and I know this season, uh, having coming up this Friday will be the only dual meet they have any legitimate chance of losing against Iowa. Will be a tight one. I'll get into it in a little bit. Um, okay. Are those? Do they take place like at one of the campuses? Is it at Penn State or at Iowa? How does how do they I work? think this one is at Penn State, but I'm not. I'm actually not sure. I did. Um, see, I, I put out on our Instagram today. By the way, we're back on Instagram, so check that out. This is going to be a big season, guys. YouTube, Instagram, a lot of content happening. Um, I posted uh, there was a nice Twitter exchange. Micah Parsons, who is a, a known supporter of Penn State wrestling, he's been a big fan. He's very close with uh, Rome Bravo Young. Uh, he tweeted out like, "Big duel, Penn State Iowa. Who can get me in?" Fucking David Taylor comes off the top rope. I got you. So, yep. and so they're going to the. I, th- I think Micah and Bo were always close. Yeah, yes, yeah. Him and Bo were they I remember there's like a there was a video of them playing like spike ball or something. It was crazy. Um so take us through what's what's about to happen here. All right. So I, I'll give you like a little bit of breakdown of the season so far. Uh 125. Gary Steen's been the guy. Robbie Howard is out for a second year in a row with an injury. It's been tough. Gary Steen, he's a redshirt freshman, pretty highly tatted recruit, but he's having a tough go of it in the Big Ten. 
putting together a five and nine season so far. This was not not a guy who was expected to start the season being thrown in a little early. Okay. Um, you move up to 33, obviously, you've got the man, two-time returning NCAA champion, Roman Bravo Young, uh, 9-0 on the season. I think just against Michigan had his first non-bonus point victory for oh, wow. non-wrestling fans out there. There are four ways you can win a wrestling match. Decision, which is you win by eight points or fewer. Major decision, eight, eight to 14 points. Technical fall, at any point in the match, if you're up by 15 points or more, they just call it and say you're done, or a pinfall. You, know, you, you put the guy's shoulder blades on the mat. Anything above a decision is considered a bonus point victory. Okay, so he's been crushing. He's got eight bonus point wins on the season. He's- had a bit of an odd close match against um, Dylan Ragason from Michigan. But, I mean, Roman is going to roll all the way to the NCAA finals pretty much. His only test of the year is really going to be in the finals against Dayton Fix. Um who he is now 2-0 and against. By the way, Dayton Fix is a world silver medalist. That's how good Roman Bravo Young is. This, this he, kid is a he's world silver medalist, and yeah, Roman is 2-0 and against him. Holy shit. Now, what's, what's the thing I've seen a lot on Twitter uh, about Roman, and who's the kid from Iowa? Spencer Lee, is it? Yes. So I, I've seen a lot I will, of Do you want me to get to that in the weight-by-weight breakdown of us or in the... Uh, whatever, makes sense, whatever makes sense for you, whatever, whatever you think will be easy. I'll, 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 I'll get to that in a match preview. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, 41, we've got Bo Bartlett coming down from 149 last season. This is the weight he has really should have been at his whole career, but obviously two-time NCAA champion Nick Lee has been there. So mm. Bo had been wrestling 49. Um, he's 14-0 this season, I think ranked number four in the country, something like that. Um, he's going to have his first real big test this season at Iowa. Um, he's looking a lot better than he has in the past two years, though. Okay, love to uh, see that. 49, we've got a true freshman, bit of a phenom, and Shane Van Ness made some real big noise last year uh, in the, the freestyle wrestling circuit, like the senior level, went to the U.S. Open and had a really good tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, he's 11-2. and two. I think he's ranked 15th in the country. Um, his two losses on the season are to, I believe, number one ranked Austin Gomez, who beat absolute legend of the sport, Yanni Diakamahalas, a kid who's going for his fourth NCAA title this year. Uh, only in, only has one loss in his, or now two losses in his entire career. And to the kid who beat Austin Gomez, Pinero Johnson out of Iowa State. Um, Shane's, you know, a guy who you, I'm, I'm expecting him to All-American this year as his first, first year in the lineup. Okay. 57 has been a little dramatic for the Nittany Lions. Started the year off with Terrell Bearclaw, sophomore, has always been like a solid contributor at Penn State, but not like a phenom type of guy. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, Levi Haynes makes his dual meet debut against Wisconsin and absolutely dismantles, uh, like I believe a 15th ranked Garrett model. I beat him by like, I mean, took him apart, beat him by like 10 points, I think. Yeah. Um, Levi Haynes, you said his name? Levi Haynes. Pretty great. And so That's the big underwear, baby. Levi Haynes. That's pretty good. Exactly. Pretty good. <laughs> um, I mean, make, make sure you're Roman ready and you're Levi Haynes, you know? <laughs> listen Pensley wrestling if you need some marketing deals we got you i'm, I'm your guy <laughs> but big big drama this week coming into the iowa match levi is at his match limit before his red shirt can be pulled so similar to like the four games that you get yeah, yeah, yeah. Football, same thing in wrestling he can either wrestle this week at iowa and they'll pull his red shirt or they can keep his red shirt 
and he'll be able to, you know, compete for an NCAA title next season. Okay. I was going to say, so like big drama. So like if, if they pull or if they, if they choose not to wrestle him this weekend, he can not compete in like the tournament. Correct. And so the, the drama there is Bearclaw is a good wrestler. He's a guy who could probably, you know, would almost definitely qualify for the NCAA tournament and could push for an all, like a low All-American spot. Levi Haynes right now looks like maybe he's a title contender. Yeah. But like next year, you go, okay, this is a guy who's for sure a title contender next year. Right, right. So, so like in the future, yeah. that's tough, man. That's tough. Either way, he should be getting some good NIL deals. Uh, we'll hook you up. But Absolutely. What would you do if you were Cal? I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't, man. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, I I don't what here's the thing, like 157 where he's at is a wide open weight class this year. There's not a lot of top end talent. Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't even tell you who the number one ranked wrestler is because the guy who was in the finals last year moved up to 65. A guy who won it two years ago also moved up to 65. I it's it he he is a title contender as a freshman, but then you yeah. look at it and go. Well, next year he's fucking definitely a title contender. Right, right. And with wrestling, it's it's one of those where you want to get as much longevity as you can, right? Because like, yeah, because there there is no leaving early. Yeah, there is no pros to go to. It's just you know, worlds and Olympics and all that. So you want to keep guys as long as you can. Okay, that makes sense. And and also they don't need him to win a team title this year. Right, right. They might they might need him to beat Iowa, but they do not need him to win a team title at the tournament. Got it. Okay. Um. But yeah, then so you, you go up to 65, you got Alex Facundo, another redshirt freshman, another highly touted recruit coming in at 11 and one, I believe his only loss the year is to number like two ranked David Carr, kid who was NCAA champ two years ago at 157. Facundo looks, you know, he looks very good. He's in an absolutely stacked weight class though. Um, as good as he is at, at 11 and one, not a title contender for this year. Uh, maybe, you know, as like a junior senior kind of guy could be a title contender but definitely someone who can push for one of those low All-American spots. Okay, cool. Uh, Carter Starachi um, coming in at 174, number one ranked wrestler, of course, because he's a beast. Oh, um, yeah, I remember him from last year. Yeah, I mean, he. Oh, the only remote test he's seen this season has been at the All-Star Classic, which is an unofficial bout that happens against the guy he beat last year in the finals, Mikai Lewis. Beat him again. Um, he currently, I believe, has a – I think he's bonused everyone he's wrestled. Yeah. If he hasn't, he only has one non-bonus point. He's got one non-bonus victory. He's rolling through people. He's showing offense that he hasn't shown in the past couple of years. I, I, In my mind, he is already a national champ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 84, Aaron Brooks, a guy who I think I two years him. ago, you said yeah. I, went on, I went on record when you he predicted. was a true freshman. Yep. I said – uh brooks is still ranked number one in the country he's again he's going to win a national championship but he did take a weird loss this season okay um against a a quality opponent from i believe iowa state he got right at the beginning of the match got thrown on his back and got put up so that that's what's called a six point move got thrown on back two point takedown four point near fall so he goes down six nothing in the first minute of the match Loses the match seven to nine. It was a close match. He battled back and like was the better wrestler from that point on by hard quite a bit. A, hard but to make six, a six point hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, he he's a guy, anything less than a national championship out of Aaron Brooks 
is a disappointment. Got it. Uh, 197, we got Max Dean, the transfer in from Cornell last year, who won an NCAA championship for Penn State. Um, you know, he does, he's taken two weird losses on the year, um, but he does this. It's a thing he did last year too. Gets kind of cold, like just takes right. a couple losses that he shouldn't. And actually one of those was to former Penn State 197, Michael Beard, who transferred out this year because Dean was staying Lehigh. Oh, they're they're like a, a notorious good wrestling program, aren't they? Yeah, not as good as they used to be, right. but they're you know they're they're a, Pen- a Pennsylvania wrestling program. They're quality. Um, Max Dean is it, it, still a guy. Depending on the polls, you're seeing anywhere from one to four in the country at 97. Um, probably going to be your favorite at the weight class, if not like anything below third place. I would say would be an absolute disappointment out of Max Dean. Okay, and then. The big boy, heavyweight, Greg Kirkfleet. Um, I think he took fourth at NCAAs last year, forfeited out in the third place match. Um, was ranked number one for a good bit of the season, but just lost a match to Mason Paris from Michigan. Um, really interesting weight class up at heavyweight. There's like four top guys who they can all beat each other. Okay. Um, it's going to be a big test this week. Kirkfleet at, at Iowa. He just beat their heavyweight for the first time at the All-Star Classic. But again, that's an unofficial bout. He's right, never officially true. beaten Cassiope out of Iowa. Um, and I, I think Cassiope is technically 3-0 against him. So will do, does does the momentum from the All-Star roll over? Or does He's it due. Not? He's due, baby. Yeah. He's due. But, you know, we get to I, – I, I'll preview this, this Iowa match for us real quick. Uh, this, this is the on, only match of the season Penn State has any business being relatively close in. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the drama at 2533. Yeah. So yeah, Spencer Lee is one of the greatest college wrestlers of all time. He's Spencer, wrestling. He's for, not, I'm sorry, he's yeah. Spencer Lee out of Iowa. They're 125 pounder. He's going to be wrestling for his fourth NCAA championship this year. There's no way he doesn't win. There, there's yeah. literally no way. Um, but he has a serious history of injuries. He won an NCAA championship two years ago with no ACLs. Oh, I remember that video. Yeah. Yes. No ACLs. He He's had a torn ACL for like his entire college career. He's still dominating. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's incredible. <laughs> he's okay. generational. Um, okay. People want him to bump up from 25 to 33 to wrestle Roman uh, because Penn, you know, Gary Steen is not great at, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it, it's a, it's really more of a fan theory than anything that's wanna... realistic. They want to see um, best of the best. Best of the best. Um, but the, the problem is Iowa's backup 25 is redshirting, mm. but he's not a true freshman. So he doesn't get the, you know, four game, you know, four matches. Yeah. Um, so they would have to pull his redshirt for one match just to bump Spencer. Why would someone do that just for fans? Yeah, because Iowa's other backup at 25 is likely not going to beat Gary Steen. Um. But, you know, in, like, the fantasy world of some people, this kid Drake Ayala comes out, beats Gary Steen. Spencer comes out, beats Roman. And now instead of, you know, Iowa probably being up 6-4 after two matches or 6-3, they're up, like, 9 nothing. Got it. Okay. Okay. So but things, not going to happen. Yeah. So if things stay the, stay the way they are now, like you mentioned, this is yeah. one that, you know, could be close. But, I mean, it, it would be a, a fascinating match. Uh, Roman's yeah. obviously bigger, um, obviously healthier. Health is one of the reasons they wouldn't do it. Right. Uh, but you're talking about th- this is a guy who, who who could very well beat Roman Bravo Young. Yeah. Um, 
I would call him, I would consider him the favorite if they wrestled. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Generational talent. Well, it would be fun. It would be fun to watch. We care about, what is it, winning big matches and winning Big Ten titles or something? Win big matches, win, win uh, national titles. Win, win national team, titles. team titles. Win team titles. That was it, team titles. I knew I was Which close. Penn State will do this year, even if they lose to Iowa on Friday. Okay, um, that was going to be my next question. What are the implications for the rest of the year if they were to lose? It really doesn't mean anything other than pride. Yeah. Which uh, is really very big for these guys, yeah. Oh, I mean, listen. It's this, the same reason we want to beat you know, Ohio State, even if we're not going to make the playoff. Because you sure. want to beat Ohio State, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it, this is the biggest rivalry right now in college wrestling. These are the two right. best programs. They hate each other. Iowa is the traditional powerhouse in the sport. Penn State is the new kid on the block. They're kind of beating up Iowa. Recently, taking their lunch money, but Iowa wins some dual meets against Penn State, and they are, you know, they're they're a, when you think of like, you think of the wrestler that you remember from high school. That kid was like kind of nuts. That's Iowa. Okay. That that's everything about Iowa is like that. You know, they're tough wrestling and their coaches are absolute fucking nut jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids who wrestle there are fucking nut jobs. All right. So so all of that said, you broke it down and gave us every weight class. What is your prediction for this dual meet? How do you how do you see the final score going? All right. Can can you do some math for me? Sure. All right. I'll give you my weight by weight breakdown. All right. I go Penn State. Uh, Spencer Lee pins Gary Steen at 125. So Iowa goes up 6 nothing. Okay. Then I'm going to say Roman gets a major decision over Brody Teske, I want to say, from Iowa. So Iowa leads 6-4. Um, then 141, got Bo Bartlett against – hold on. Ooh, let me see here. Uh, against Real Woods. Real Woods is like the number one or two t- kid in the country, depending on what service you're looking at. I'll go decision. You know, that that's kind of a toss-up, but definitely advantage Real Woods. So go decision Real Woods. Um, I was now up 9-4. Right? Yep. Uh, 41. Bo Bartlett against... Oh, no, sorry. 49. You got Shane Van Ness against Max Mirren. Toss-up again. I... um. Max Mirren is a higher ranked wrestler for sure. He's older. I just, I, he's not a guy who beats really top tier guys. And so that's the question. Is Shane Van Ness top tier? I'll go decision for Van Ness here. Okay. So um, nine, four, Iowa. Where does that put us? Nine, seven. So decision's three points. Okay. Got it. Decision's three points. Major decision four. Technical all five, pin six. Okay. So we're at nine, seven. Um, then we move to the 57. I'm going to say Levi Haynes. I think he wrestles. Um, against Caleb Seabrick or Kobe Seabrick from Iowa. Good wrestler. I think Haynes is definitely better. Um, if Haynes wrestles, decision Haynes. So we get three um, there? Yeah. We're up 10-7 or 10-9. Yeah. 65, you got Facundo against Patrick Kennedy. Again, that's a toss-up, man. And Facundo wrestles tight matches. He's not a super... He's not a guy with dynamic offense. Toss up, I go edge Facundo with a decision. That's Iowa? Yeah. Uh, no, that, that's us. Oh, sorry. So we get three there. Yeah. From 13-9. 74, Starachi's getting bonus points against Nelson Brands, coach's son. Who cares? How many do we get for that? 
four points. Okay, so we're up 17 then. Aaron Brooks against Abasad. Kind of an interesting one. Abasad's not that great, but Aaron Brooks can never major him. Very weird. He, he just cannot seem to bonus the guy. Um, so I'll go decision Brooks. Three for us? Three for us, yeah. Okay, 20 to nine. Uh, 97 Max Dean against Jacob Warner. Dean beat Warner in the NCAA finals last season. On top of that, right now, Warner just doesn't look very good. He's going through a weird stretch where he just, eh. Um, give me, give me Max Dean all day, three points. So that's three for us, 23 9. And then Kirkfleet, Cassiope, man. Cassiope, I mean, Kirkfleet makes me nervous because he does some like late matches when he's tired, he does some like lazy, stupid stuff. Um, and Cassiope is a guy who takes advantage of those things. But after the win at the All-Star, I'm going with Kirkfleet by decision. Okay. So how many points is that? That's three more points. For us? Yeah. So we are at 26 to 9 end stage. So I'm that it could look like that. And they got but... and you gave Iowa six fucking points in the first match. They got three the rest of the duel. Yeah. And so, but the, here, here's the weird thing about a wrestling match. Like that 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 sounds like a beatdown. Yeah. However, I mean, Iowa could very easily win 49, 57, and 65. Yeah, a couple of those decisions go the that other way. That changes every – I mean, that, that's what, um, an 18-point swing right there? Could be. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there, there's a path for Iowa to win this match, and it's them winning those three weights and Penn State not getting bonus points. Yeah. Okay. Iowa can, Iowa can win five matches here. There's ten matches. Iowa can win five of them. And they're getting bonus points in that first one, guaranteed. For anyone watching, this is the breakdown. I'll put it up on the screen. I don't know why I'm covering this as a, a gift card that I used already, but we win. 26-9. Uh, maybe I'll put this together a video. I'll put it out Friday before the duel of your predictions. I don't think we'll be able to fit all of them in a two-minute Twitter video, but we'll do one of those like speed-ups. of. Uh, if, if I was a betting man and you put the over-under on Penn State's points at 20... Three or like 22 and a half, I take the over. Okay. If you put it at like 25, if you put it at 25 and a half, I'd probably take the under. Yeah. Because of a Just lot because of some, yeah, something can flip there. Yeah. Makes sense, man. Makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot, a lot of wrestling content. A lot, there's a lot of toss ups in this match, though. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Like I said, and I, then the big question of does Levi Haynes wrestle? Levi Haynes, I'm getting this good in NIL deal, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, always, I always thought it was criminal that Will Levis didn't get a and yeah, I from Levi's. Yeah, but, this name is Levi though. They they should yeah. Roman. I mean, I mean, and to, together. Roman. Yeah, together. Levi, Le- Haynes. Levi and Haynes. Levi Haynes both go on the bottom part of your body. It's fucking perfect. Um, I mean, Haynes makes t-shirts too. You, you can do a whole thing, and then Roman, Roman Bravo Young. There's How is Roman not working with Roman Bravo? Make that happen. Hey, he, he's literally always Roman ready for every match. Always, always. This is insane. Um, all right. Anything else on uh anything else on wrestling? Big big duel Friday. What time is it at? Uh I want to say seven Eastern. And is that like on TV or is it only through like the, the streaming stuff? Um it'll probably be on Big Ten Network, which you can stream on the Fox Sports app. There you go. So if you want to watch, check it out. And it is at the BJC. At the BJC. That's pretty dope. So mm-hmm. check out Penn State Wrestling Dynasty. 830 Eastern. 8.30 Eastern, Kale Sanderson, ton of studs, ready to take down the Iowa Hawkeyes. Sounds pretty cool, man. Oh, it will be. <laughs>
All right, uh, that about does it for this episode. I think we're uh, I think we're a little long on this one, but hey, it's the offseason. Yeah. We got stuff to chat about. So um, yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you as always. Check out the YouTube. Check out the Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe. I told myself I would never be one of the people that said that, but hey, but we are. It is the game, maybe? I've been I've been saying it the past the past couple, so you, yeah. you might as well start throwing it in. You got to. Apparently, reviews are the most like helpful. So if you can, well, then review review on on iTunes or Spotify for the podcast. That would be amazing. We appreciate you. Um, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week, and we'll be back fairly soon with another one of these. We are.